If you got a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 11. We're going to read one verse in Luke chapter number 11. And then we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter number 10. Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verse 31. Jesus is speaking here. In this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking and making reference to an event that took place a thousand years prior to it being mentioned in Luke chapter 11, verse 31. And now it's been almost 2,000 years ago, and we're making reference to it as well. How many knows that every word of God is divinely inspired? Everything is written in the word for uh, edification, correction, uh, reproof, uh, that we might be fully equipped. So Jesus is making reference to an event that happened uh, a thousand years before he's speaking here. And he says in verse number 31, it says, The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Now turn over to 1 Kings chapter number 10. I just want to read one verse here, and then we'll kind of look at a few verses in this particular chapter. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard, now that's an important word. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. When the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the midst of us and the work that you are doing through the outreaches and ministries and missions work around the world. God, it's a privilege to serve you. Lord, we want to do our best for you. And Lord, we ask you to help us to do better than what we're doing now. I pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence would be here in such a tangible way that you would cause us to be aware and conscious that you are in our midst. Speak to our hearts today. Speak to everyone that is here. Reveal our role through this story in 1 Kings 10. Show us, Lord, where we are in this big picture of things uh, that you've called us to do and to to go and to come and, and to share. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing upon your word. Let it bring forth fruit a hundredfold in Jesus' name. And everybody said. I want to talk to you this morning about when will they come? When will they come? Now, we always place a high priority and a major emphasis on going. You know, Jesus uh, message all throughout the, uh, the New Testament was he would speak to one group of people and he would tell them to go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He would say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so have I sent you. And so there's a major emphasis on going. But what I want to talk about is not just are going, but those that will be coming. I, I believe as we go, God is going to bring people to come here. I believe God uh, honors the fact that we're not just a, a, a church that is just centered around uh, what we experience within the four walls of, of this particular building, but, but we have a value, place of value. It's a priority. We view it as a non-negotiable thing that we are to be a church that reaches out in our community, that we're, to, we're supposed to just reach out, not not just locally, but also globally. And I believe in, in our going, God's going to bring some folks here that are going to come. But the question that I want to try to answer this morning is when will they come? 
When will they come? God's given us a great vision here. And God is continually giving vision. Our vision is progressive. Vision is not just a statement that is made, but it is alive. It's, it's living. It's, it's breathing. It's active. And it's always progressing. It's always developing. And God's going to continue to develop and, uh, all, and continue to add to and, and, and refine and, and, and do the things that, that he wants to do. And our job is to align our hearts and our lives up with the will of God that he has for us individually and as a corporate body. But in this particular story, there's a few things I want to point out that I believe uh, are important for us to take note of when it comes to the statement or the question, when will they come? I mentioned uh, before we read the text that Jesus is making reference to this particular event a thousand years before uh, he actually speaks about it in Luke chapter 11, verse 31. And he talks about the queen of Sheba, or, or today what we could say is the, the, the queen of Ethiopia. And the queen of Sheba makes a trip that is around 2,000 miles. And she makes this trip by camel because she has heard that Solomon is a very wise man. She has heard of the fame of Solomon. And not just that he's got wisdom and that he is famous, but the work that he is doing in Jerusalem and the work that he's doing that is directly connected to the name of the Lord. Now, this trip is a very long trip. It's an exhausting trip. It's a very difficult trip. It's a very dangerous trip. But nevertheless, she makes this long, exhausting journey to Israel simply because somebody has told her, she has heard, word has came to her that God is doing something incredible through the life of the, of the king of Israel whose name is Solomon and that he is not just wise, he is doing something within the midst of God's people in Israel and what she has heard has provoked her to come. Now, before we go any farther, I want to point out something here. There's a group of people in this story that are not mentioned that I believe have the key to understanding the entire thing. Now, we don't know what these people's names are. We don't know how many people there actually were, but these key people are the ones who have told the queen about Solomon, and based upon what they have told uh, the queen of Sheba, what she has heard, it has provoked her to make this long 2,000-mile journey to come and visit with Solomon and see the work that's going on. And what she has heard, is the reason why she has come. I want you to know that this is where you and I enter into this story. We are much like the people who are not mentioned in this story. We all have the responsibility of going and telling those who don't know Jesus that Jesus is here. He is able to come. He is able to save. He's able to deliver. He can set you free. He, somebody that's even greater than Solomon, he is here. And so what she has heard is the reason why she has come. Now, there's three things that I see in this story that I want to share with you. And the question that I want to answer is when will they come. Number one, if you've got an outline, you can fill these in the blank. Number one, they will come when there is vision. They will come when there is vision. First Kings chapter 10 verse 1 says, now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. The queen of Sheba has come to Jerusalem because she has heard of the wisdom and the fame of Solomon and the work that's going on that is directly connected to the name of the Lord. When will they come? They will come when they hear about a God-given vision that is being fulfilled in the midst of God's congregation. When will they come? They come when there is vision. Solomon was a man of vision. They will come when they hear that God is working and moving and doing things in His people and through His people 
that they are connected to a vision that is so great that only God himself can fulfill it. I want you to know something. I know that we are in Manchester, Kentucky. I understand the, the demographic. I understand the, the stats. I am from here. This is my home. I've lived here the majority of my life. I understand what the rumors are. I understand how uh, this part of the, of the state is, is viewed. I understand that we're one of the poorest counties in the United States. I understand that we've had drug problems and have existing drug problems. I understand that we have not so good of a reputation, but I want to submit to you that you are in the greatest place possible for God to do something so incredible that it would inspire people to come from the ends of the earth to see what God is doing in and through his people. They'll come when there's God-given vision being fulfilled. I believe that God is giving us and will continue to give us further and greater revelation of the work he's called us to do that will be so great that when everything is said and done, people will look and say, only God could have done that. And listen, if, if our dreams are not big enough or if our dreams uh, uh, are not big enough that we are able to do what we say God has called us to do, I can promise you right now that that dream's not from God. See, every dream, every miracle has a God part and a man part. And so we all have responsible, uh, responsibility in fulfilling the work that God has called us to do. But we are in a very strategic place for God to do something that he could spread from around the world so that people would come and receive hope and inspiration and help and strength and encouragement. Because if God can do it here, God can do it anywhere. So when will they come? They'll come when there's vision. The queen of Sheba, she heard about Solomon. She heard about the work Solomon was doing. And what kind of work was Solomon doing? Solomon was a builder. David, his father, was a warrior. He fought many battles. He was a worshiping warrior. David wanted to build a house or build the temple for God. And God said, you've shed too much blood. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that, but I will give you a son. His name shall be Solomon. And he will build this temple because the thing which you desire to do is a good thing. So Solomon is a builder. And so she hears of the wisdom of Solomon, but she also hears of the work of Solomon. And what is the work of Solomon? Solomon is a builder. First, he builds the temple. Then he builds the palaces. Then he builds the cities. And that's what the queen has heard about. Now, somebody had to tell the queen that Solomon was doing something incredible in Jerusalem for her to desire to go and see what was going on. Somebody had to spread the word. Somebody had to come to the queen and say to her, you should see or you should hear about the temple that Solomon is building for his God. There's, this temple is incredible. It is amazing. It's magnificent. It is glorious. It's, it's indescribable. There's never been a temple built up to this point in history like the temple that Solomon is building. And so there's never been a building like this or a temple like this built ever before. And Solomon is a leader with a God-given vision to build a temple, a house for God. The queen hears about it and she has come to visit him because what she has heard. Now my question to you is this. What are the people in our community hearing from you? See, people are going to always be hearing stuff. People are always going to be talking. It's our responsibility to give them something good to talk about. Listen, a lukewarm Christian is a bad advertisement for a great God. And if you're not talking about the good things that God has done for you, it's simply because you are a lukewarm Christian and have forgotten where God has brought you from. 
Listen, there's no good sinners in heaven and there's no bad sinners in heaven. There's just saved sinners. The cross puts us all on equal ground. And if people are going to talk, if people are going to hear things, then it's our responsibility to go and tell them and give them good things for them to talk about. But the question is, when's the last time you said something good about what God is doing in your life and in this church. We serve a good God. People are going to always hear things. They're going to always be talking. It's our responsibility to give them good things to talk about. Why? Because when you give people good things to talk about, the queen hears about it. Now, the person that you are witnessing to, the person that you're sharing with, the testimony that you're giving may not be the person that you will ultimately end up reaching. It may be because of what somebody else says that they heard from you that the people come. People will come. When will they come? They will come when there is vision. They will come when there is a God-given vision being fulfilled. They will come when good things are being talked about to those that need to hear. Now listen, you guys know how I feel about negativity. Now I cannot stand negativity. As a matter of fact, if you've got a bunch of negativity, don't even talk to me. That's a negative comment, isn't it? But I hate negativity. Listen. God's been good to all of us. I said he's been good to all of us. We are all living in the faithfulness of God. Has God been faithful to you? No matter how bad things are or even how bad things get, God has been better to you and better to me than we deserve. And so we need to learn how to live. We know Thanksgiving's coming up. We know that we're going to go and we're going to have turkey. Have you seen that video uh, of that woman singing? It says, you know, I like beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. I'm going to be posting that if you haven't seen it. It'll minister to you. You need to be posted and, and look that up. It's great. But when will they come? They'll come when there's vision. Here's the second thing. They will come when there are answers. They will come when there's vision and they will come when there are answers, 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, notice what she does. She came to test him with hard questions. And notice what she talked about. She spoke with him about all that was in her heart. In other words, this woman is searching for answers. She's looked for answers everywhere, but nobody's been able to provide for her the answers that she's looking for. So she comes and she tests Solomon with hard questions and she shares everything that is within her heart. Now notice Solomon's response. So Solomon answered all of her questions and there was nothing so difficult that the king could not explain to her. Now, the Bible says the queen came. When she came, she came with hard questions. When will they come? They will come when people that have hard questions understand that there's a place that they can come to find solutions and answers. I mean, that's a really good description of the church. You got needs, we have a God that supplies. You are sick, we have a God that heals. You're in bondage, we have a God that sets free. You're discouraged, we have a God that can give you hope. She came to test him with hard questions. She came with hard questions. When will they come? They'll come when they believe there's a place that can provide answers to their hard questions now we don't know what her questions were the bible doesn't say we don't know how many questions that she asked we just know she asked and shared everything that was in her heart but though we do not know the questions that she asked we know that she was asking questions that she had sought answers for and yet have found no place for her to give those answers to her right 
So she comes to Solomon because she hears of the wisdom of Solomon and she tests him with these questions. But here's what we do know. We don't know what the questions are. We don't know how many questions she asked. But we do know this. We do know the one of the major motivating factors of the reason why she came was that she had questions that nobody had been able to answer. Are you getting this? She had questions that she had searched for answers for, but could never find them. So it motivated her because of what she heard and because of the wisdom of Solomon that maybe I can come to this place and find answers for the questions that my soul is longing for. She hears about the wisdom of Solomon, and she believes that there's a place that she can go to receive these answers. Now, here's something else I feel like is important that we need to point out. The queen is not just an ordinary person, okay? She's royalty, right? She's not just royalty. She has wealth. She has money, right? She doesn't just have wealth and money. She, she has prestige, she has position. She has resources. But even though she's royalty, even though she has wealth, even though she has means, even though she has prestige, even though she has power, there are some questions in the human heart that money cannot be the solution for. Not even her royalty could answer the questions that she had. Not even her wealth could provide the answers to the questions that she had. Not even her resources. Everything within her own country could not provide the answers that she was searching for. Did you know that there's people outside the walls of this church that are just like the Queen of Sheba? They are looking for answers and solutions, but they're they're looking for them in all the wrong places. They're searching for drugs, through drugs, through alcohol, through sexual immorality, through perversion, through pornography. They're trying to find the solution, the answer to the longing of their heart. See, God has wired all of us with certain longings in our hearts. You were created with longing. One of the longings God created us with is the longing to be wholehearted. The reason that most people are, are, are miserable and lukewarm is because they serve God half-heartedly. God created us to, to be wholehearted, but the devil also knows this. And so the devil tries to wound us through the pursuit of counterfeit pleasures that are unable to satisfy us because those longings are designed by God to lead us back to Him. Are you with me? But the devil knows this. and He's always going to pervert and distort the solution and advertise something to you that cannot satisfy you. Only God can. And so... This woman has wealth, she has power, she has position, she has resources, she's nobility, she's, she, she's royalty. She has everything that the world would consider prominent. She has popularity, she has influence, she, everything that the world is looking for, but everything the world has provided could not answer her questions. When will they come? They'll come when there's answers to their questions. Maybe you're here this morning and... You're searching for answers. Well, I want to encourage you, one that's greater than Solomon is here. When will they come? They'll come when there's vision. They'll come when there's answers. Now look at verse 2, 1 Kings 10, verse 2. She spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Listen, everything that was troubling her, everything she was struggling with, everything that she was concerned about, she had searched for answers in other places and not found them. And look what it says about Solomon's response in verse 3. He answered all her questions. There was nothing that she asked him that he could not explain to her. See, people need to know that if they're broken, if they're discouraged, if they're hurt, if they're wounded, if they're confused, if they're in despair... 
if they're suicidal, if they feel like giving up, that they can come to a place where they can receive answers. Shouldn't that place be the church? And shouldn't this be the safest place somebody could come? Shouldn't this be the first place people would want to go to once they've hit rock bottom? Shouldn't the church be the place where they can say and tell other people, hey, you know what, I know a place where you can go where you can find answers to your questions and solutions to your problems. And if it was true of Solomon in the Old Testament, then it has got to be true for us in the New Testament. Why? Because the one that is greater than Solomon lives on the inside of you. When will they come? They'll come when there's vision. They'll come when there's answers. Number three, they'll come when there's something of value. Do you know the reason most people are not in churches today? Did you know there's more people not in church than actually are in church in this county and in surrounding? Why? You know why that's true? Because they do not believe that there is anything of any value that will be helpful or will change their life simply by coming to church. Some of you, you are here, but that's still the same mindset you've got. How do you know if you have that same mindset? Well, you just simply go through the motions. Because if you really believed that there was something of value here, then you would be passionately pursuing God relentlessly. They'll come when they believe there's something of value, that there's a treasure. Now listen, if I told you that there was a million dollars hidden somewhere in the walls of this church and the first person to find it could have it, how would you respond? You would go from the back to the side to the front. Listen, if we pursued God like we did making money, we would look totally different than what we look right now. Listen, we have something far more valuable than money can buy. As a matter of fact, the most important things in life money can't buy. Listen, money can buy you a nice house, but it cannot make your house a home. Money can provide for you a good insurance policy, but money cannot make you healthy. Money can pay for an expensive wedding and honeymoon, but it cannot give you a good, happy marriage. So, why did you come today? Did you come because... You were expecting something of value to happen to you or be shown to you, to change you? Or have you just come to do your Sunday morning thing? If that's the case, we need to ask ourselves, why are we here? So it says in verse 4 and 5, when the queen of Sheba had seen, notice, first thing that happened is she heard. Now she sees. In verse 1, she hears. Hers. She hears. Verse 4, she sees. When she has seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. The queen has come because she has heard. She come because she has questions. And now she has come because she believes that there is something of value for her coming. Do you feel like there's something of value for you being here? See, here's what I know about something that's valuable. Something that is a treasure. See, treasure is never found on the surface. It's always hidden underneath. And sometimes you have to dig out the dirt in order to find the valuable treasure that's hidden underneath. Do you know what the most valuable treasure in this church is? 
the people. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthland vessels. See, the most valuable, the most, the most value, treasured thing that we have is hidden on the inside of you. Your potential, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, everything that you can be but have not yet become, that's what's valuable. And once you start digging underneath, once you start using that potential, developing that potential, you start using your gifts, your talents, your abilities, once you start doing that, I promise you, they will come. They will come when you take what you have been given and then you put it into practice. As you develop your potential, as you put your gifts, talents, and abilities into work, they will come. They'll come when there's vision. They'll come when there's answers. They'll come when there's something of value. Now let me give you four things really quickly about what happened when she saw. See, here's, here's what you need to understand about Christianity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is about participation. It's about giving your all. It's about offering your body as a living sacrifice. See, when you get saved, there's a moment where you surrender everything to Jesus, and then for the rest of your life, there's a moment-by-moment -moment surrendering of yourself every single day. And so when the disciples were following Jesus, when they were walking with Jesus, they didn't just hear a sermon, they saw a sermon. They didn't just hear truth, they saw truth. And what they saw transformed them. The Bible says that you are living epistles known and read among all men. Listen, when people start seeing you live out what you believe, it will get their attention and sooner or later they will come to you and say, you know what, you've got something that I don't have. That should be the reputation of all of us. That should be the way that we live our life, that we don't just preach to people. You know, we say this all the time. You know, go out and preach the gospel to every creature and use words if necessary. Listen, your family is your greatest gospel sermon. Make sure you preach it well. Listen, atheists want to be a part of a happy family. Agnostics want to be a part of a happy family. Buddhists want to be a part of a happy family. Muslims want to be a part of a happy family. And listen, let me tell you something. This church, we are the family of God, even though we may not necessarily act like it. When will they come? They'll come when there's vision. They'll come when they have answers. They'll come when there's something of value. Now look at verse 4. When she had seen. Verse 1, she heard. Verse 4, she saw. Now the question is this, what did she see? Right? Number one or A, she saw what he had built. She saw what he had built. First he built the temples, then he built the palaces, then he built the cities, okay? Somebody had told her, you need to go see this temple it's incredible, it's magnificent, it's amazing. I can't even put it to words. There's never been a temple quite built quite like this ever. You need to come and see it. So she comes and she sees what Solomon has built and it piques her attention. She's not just impressed by it. The scripture says there was no more spirit left within her. So she saw what he built. The second thing is, she saw the way he lived. Look at verse 5. She saw the food on his table, the seating of his servants. In other words, they were, she was able to see his lifestyle, the way that he lived his life, the way that he conducted his affairs, the way that he treated other people, the way he treated people who were not in the same economic status as he was. He saw the way he related relationally with people in a social status that were beneath him. 
She saw what he built. She saw how he lived. And I promise you this much, the longer I'm serving Jesus, the less I listen to what people say and the more I pay attention to what they do. Because the truth is this, you, you impact people little by what you say, more by what you do, but much, much by what you say and do together. Jesus began both to do and to teach. Listen, people don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see a sermon. So she saw what he built. She saw the way that he lived. See, she saw, notice this. She saw the way they served. Isn't that interesting? People that have questions who are searching for legitimate answers, people who come in here struggling, people who come in here overwhelmed, people who come in here discouraged, people that come in here depressed, they watch the way you serve. First question we need to ask ourselves, are we serving? Save people, serve people. Anything else is a contradiction. A Christian that doesn't serve is a contradiction. We are all called to serve. You know, you may not have the spiritual gift of helping to put seats down and take seats up or, or, or receive the offering and count it and put it all together or to greet or to welcome or play, uh, play an instrument. You may not have that, uh, that spiritual gift, but you know what? You're all, all of us are called to serve. She saw the way they serve. Now, when will they come? They'll come when there's something different in this house than every other house around us. You know what? There's over 100 churches in Clay County. Every one of them are singing songs this morning just like we did. Every one of them are preaching the Bible just like we are. What's the difference? It's the way that you serve. Listen, our, our, look, our worship team does an incredible job at being prepared and leading us into the presence of the Lord. But it's not just their responsibility to be prepared to come and worship and enter into the presence of the Lord. It's all of our responsibility to come and prepare ourselves to enter into the presence of the Lord. Listen, he, she saw the way that they served. In other words, how we greet people at the door is important. How we welcome people into the church is important. How hospitable we are is important. How we minister to people are important. How we worship God is important. How we preach the gospel is important. What's the difference? The difference is the way that we serve. The Bible says whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as unto God. Why? People are watching. Don't ever think that your role in this church is so small and so insignificant that it can't make a difference in somebody's life. This scripture right here tells us that the queen of Sheba noticed how Solomon's servants, waiters, served. It matters how you serve. And it's very easy for us just to go through the motions, right? She saw the way that they served. Now, let me tell you this. I know that I am not the best preacher in this county. As a matter of fact, I'm not the best preacher in this church. But I'll tell you one thing. I am the best Donald Sims you've ever met in your life. And as a matter of fact, 
I'm not in competition with anybody else anyways. I'm in comp competition with myself. Why? Because I want to be the best that I can be for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, every time you hear me preach, I want to serve the best food you've ever had. Not because... I want people to pat me on the back, not because I want people to say that was a good message, but because he deserved it. She noticed and she saw the way she served. So let me ask you, what kind of food are you serving? If it's based upon your prayer life or your word life, most likely it's probably leftovers. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. It's all good up in here. So what are you serving? What are you serving? She noticed the way that they served. Now, here's the last thing. This is incredible. She saw the way he entered into the house of the Lord. She saw the way, look at verse 5. She saw the way by which he went up to the house of of the Lord, or we can say it like this She saw the way he worshiped God. She saw what he built, right? She saw the way the people served, she saw the way that he lived, but she also saw the way he worshiped God. And her only response was, there's no spirit left within her. She was completely overwhelmed by what she had seen. Shouldn't that be the testimony of lost people and visitors when they come into this house? That these people love God, these people are not ashamed to worship God. These people give their best every time they come. These people are passionate people about Jesus. These people are on fire for Jesus. These people love Jesus with everything within them. I want to be like these people. But she saw the way he entered into the house of God. And there's no more spirit left within her. That's her only response. Now listen, that is why it's so important for all of us that when we come here on Sunday morning, that we come with our hearts prepared to meet with God. Why? Because the Queen of Sheba might be here this morning. So let me ask you this question, and then come to the music. How have you worshipped God this morning? What does the way you've worshipped God say to other people who are lost? Would people look at you and say, you know what? They've got something that I don't have. Someone challenge you. Next week when you come in here, come in here prepared. Listen, our worship team kills it every Sunday. I said our worship team kills it every Sunday. And I've been a part, I've, I've been in a lot of churches. I've been in a lot of churches that are bigger than our church. I can promise you this much. These folks are serving you the best wine out there. It's not the songs they sing it's not the lyrics or the words. It's not even the instruments that they play, but it's the way that they serve. It's the way that they serve. So how does the queen respond to what she has experienced? This is her response. There's no more spirit left within her. She's totally overwhelmed. She has been ripped up from the floor going, wow, I don't even know what to say. But finally she gathers her composure 
she says something. You know what she says? Blessed be the Lord your God, and happy are his people. Think about that. Her response is, God has got my attention. And blessed be the Lord your God, and happy are his people. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. Well, they ought to not be able to smack the smile off our faces. I mean, I ask people all the time, you love Jesus? They say, well, yeah. I said, well, let your face know it. We serve a good God. Her only response is, blessed be the Lord your God, and happy are your people. So the queen blesses both God and the people. Not only that, the queen becomes a worshiper herself. Think about that. When will they come? They'll come when there's vision. They'll come when there's answers. They'll come when there's something of value. And when they get here, it's not just going to be fluff. It's not just going to be hype. It's not just going to be emotional uh, 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 response or reaction. They're not going to get people that just are, 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 are radical without any wisdom. They're, 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 they're not going to see people who are just going through the motions. They're going to come. They're going to hear. They're going to see. And they're going to be changed. Because what was her response? The Bible says, first of all, she heard. Second thing that happened, she saw. The third thing that happened, she gave. The fourth thing that happened, she left a different woman than when she came. That is an absolute perfect definition of what church should be about. People ought to hear about the good things God's doing. They should come and see and meet God for themselves. They should be able to discover somebody that's genuinely seeking God, looking for answers and expecting change. They should expect to meet God when they come. That's why it's important for you to come in with the right attitude. Why? Because the attitude you have determines the atmosphere you create. The atmosphere you create determines the experience that you have. And if we're not walking out these doors differently than when we walk in, then there's probably a little bit of an attitude adjustment that needs to be changed. If the only time that we do worship God is here and never out there, it could just be we've learned how to do this thing. And we've gotten into a rut and a routine. Won't you stand with me? When will they come? When there's vision. When there's answers. When there's something of value. The queen heard. She came. She saw. She said. She gave. And she left. And that is exactly what God is wanting to do in your life this morning. Do you realize who's here this morning? Do you really realize? Do you know who's here this morning? Somebody that's far greater than Solomon. One that's greater than Solomon is here. And if you're here and you're hurting, if you're here and you're broken, if you're here and you have questions that you've not been able to find answers for. If you're here and you're lonely, if you're here and you are overwhelmed, you're concerned, you're worried, whatever it is, I want you to know something. One who is greater than Solomon is here. And Solomon was able to answer all of her questions. And the one greater than he is here. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you have done something since the conception of this church that is 
eternally significant. But Lord, even with all that you have done up to this point, it's just scratching the surface. Lord, we're still on the runway. We've not even taken off yet. But Lord, you have built your church because Lord, unless you build the church, we labor in vain. Well, Lord, I pray that you strip away everything that is not you. Everything that is not kingdom. Everything, Lord, that is hindering us and keeping us from experiencing greater vision than we've ever had before. Bring us out of the ruts that we're in. Bring us out of the routines, the rituals, the things that we just go through the motion with. Bring us out of that and place within us a new heart and a new spirit that burns for you. If you're here this morning and you're lost, and you know you're lost, you know that if you die today, if this was the last day that you would spend on earth and you were thrust out into eternity, you know that you're not right with God and you would go to hell. And today, the Savior is saying, I have the answer. I am the Savior. And today, you know you need to make things right with God on the count of three. Just shoot your hands straight up and straight back down. Just doesn't save you. I'm not going to come back where you're at. Just lets me know that God's speaking to you. On the count of three, if that's you, shoot up your hand. One. Two, three. Lift up your hand and say, it's me. It's me. The rest of you, you're here. You're weary. You're overwhelmed. You're searching for answers. God's saying to you, if you seek me and search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. But sometimes you have to lay aside your personal apathy and your fear of man and whatever else that has attached itself to you that is bondage in your life and take a step out from where you are and come and meet God at this altar. If you lifted your hand and you need to make things right with God, you want to do that today, I'm going to invite you to come. If you're here, and God is speaking to you and dealing with you that you need to come to Him wholeheartedly, we're going to invite you to come as well. As they sing and as they play,